Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host, but you've got to be kidding me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. And Liam will do bits and whatnot. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello there, friends. While you wait for the next episode of You've Got to Be Kidding Me, Liam recently moved, so he has to work through all that ordeal, and I've been working through some personal stuff myself. So while you're waiting until the next episode of the podcast, we thought we'd give you a little treat. We thought we'd throw you the first episode of Rain Takers, which is our New Japan show on Patreon, where we cover New Japan 10 years in the past from the Rainmaker shock onwards. So this is a recurring series on Patreon. There's, I think, 20 episodes of it now on Patreon, if you'd like to hear the whole thing, at tnhat.com or patreon.com. So that's kidding me. But here, for free, is the first episode of Rain Takers. We'll hopefully see you soon for the Final Resolution 2006 episode of You've Got to Be Kidding Me. Coin drop. Oh, fuck, I forgot the first bit of a kind of song. Doesn't it just go like, ah? Welcome, everybody, to our new Patreon series covering New Japan 10 years ago. Rain Takers, as Liam has insisted on up yeah. on us falling. It's... We've been backed into the corner of we did not come up with another name. I'm doing the rain taker pose. I did a zoom out there. I, I added a zoom out in post, just so you know. Yeah, can you fade out the audio <laughs> as the zoom? <laughs> there was no zoom out on this show, by the way. There was a note I've made. It's, he did the Rainmaker pose that they didn't have the zoom out as the thing yet. No, it was we, we weren't quite at that stage mm. yet. So the, the premise of the show is we were going to cover New Japan basically 10 years after the fact. We should have started this on February 12th, but, you know, plans. So as a general rule, we'll try and cover the 10-year anniversary of a major New Japan show on the 10-year anniversary. So we'll start with New Beginning from the Rainmaker Shock and just keep going as long as until we get bored, I suppose, which will probably be until like 2017 New Japan, right? Uh, is that what we're doing? I don't know. I'm just when when will we not like not be interested in covering it anymore? <laughs> I, don't know, I, I kind of thought we were, I thought we were just doing the year, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, let's just go until Kenny leaves. <laughs> oh, you and your Kenny Omega obsession. Well, uh, you know, it's just well, we'll go yeah. Well, you know, we'll, we'll end it when the Golden Era ended, when Naito beat Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, <laughs> which is a story that you can argue started on this New Beginning show. So. My first two notes is, like, we get two of the biggest Japanese professional wrestling rivalries starting on the same day here. Like, the stories really, like, kicking off on the same day. It's really interesting. Yeah, so this is a very important show in New Japan history, a very important show in wrestling history. New Be- the, the new beginning, February 12th, 2012, New Japan Pro Wrestling. From, come on. 
All right, for, uh, from the Osaka Prefectural Gymnasium in Osaka, yeah. Japan. 6,200 people in attendance. Uh, uh, that seems like a real attendance. I wanted to actually note the different areas these shows take place because one of the major storylines that we'll be following through is one professional wrestler's relationship with a certain part of Japan. But we can't get into that yet. Yeah, I'm just saying. It's a, a, of a note. A certain wrestler who perhaps made empty promises. Hmm... Which is, you know, kind of... I, I, I'm i really fascinated in that sort of development from that character because I think that watching that in real time is going to have a lot of a different context than what we were... Like, sorry, watching it with the, our knowledge that we have now is going to have provide a completely different context to the, the whole turn than what we saw in real life. Yeah, and I, I find it really cool that, like, I don't think that would happen anywhere else in the world. You know, I don't think people would care. But mm. the fact that he said, next time you'll see me, I'll have the belt, and he didn't. And they fucking held it against him. For years. <laughs> I think that's really cool. Like, I think wrestling audience should do that more. Well, it's almost like actual investment in the audience is yeah. like the best thing possible. But we'll get into that over the years and years to come. A note of, on what we're going to cover on the show. The New Japan World version does not have the first two matches, which are Yoshihashi and Yujiro against Fale and Hanma. And... Izuka, uh, Ishii, and Yano against uh, Captain New Japan, Liger, and Tamatonga. No loss, but it doesn't have those matches, so we're not going to watch them. I'll, I'll, I'll give one note because we won't have a, a chance to talk about him otherwise, but I wanted to give a big shout out to Tamatonga on his Wrestle Kingdom match. Mm -hmm. Did you know that this guy was like a super athletic, very fun babyface? <laughs> I loved Tamatonga pre-Bullet Club. I was like, look at this guy doing his, like, one spring up to the top rope Shelton Benjamin style. That rules. Yeah, like, smiley guy Tamatonga had a ton of athleticism. He, like, leaping to the top rope. He'd come off with, like, a weird twisting, like, press, like, Jeff Hardy. <laughs> mm. And he had this cool, like, twist around the entire body and then do a leaping DDT thing as his finish. Oh, just, yeah, I'm gonna say, this era of Tamatonga is really fun. Because, like, I would have been a casual New Japan viewer pre-Rainmaker Shock. Rainmaker Shock is, like many people, the moment that I would have started watching this company regularly. And anytime I saw Tamatonga, it's like, yeah, this guy's athletic, he, he looks the business, he's a cool guy, they should push him. I don't think I started watching until Best of the Super Juniors next year. I had seen, like, bits and pieces, but with zero context. Yeah, because I kind of started watching New Japan in like 2008 when they did the Wrestle Kingdom with TNA, because of course I did, because this is a TNA <laughs> Patreon, so I have to tie it back to TNA somehow. But TNA was my entry point, that Wrestle Kingdom where it's like Nagata against Angle, which is a really cool match, and then the six-man tag that had the likes uh, of Fergal Devitt. We can call him Fergal Devitt on the show, which is quite nice. Fergal. We Fergal Devitt. <laughs> the, the, the Prince Devitt, you have to do your adjusted Fergal Devitt impression instead of your Finn Balor impression. Uh, it's, it's gonna have that little bit, that more the Captain Fucking New Japan. It's it's exasperation, is what it is. We're currently pre Captain New Japan, so you have to you have to come up with like a a baby face Devon <laughs> accent. <laughs> I I gotta work out what his like deal is. It, you know what's crazy? He's like thirty at this point. We might as well yeah. go into the first match because we're talking about Devon. Yeah, so so six matches that we'll cover, starting with, for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles, No Remorse Corp, the team of Davey Richards and Rocky Romero, challenged the champions Apollo 5-5, Prince Devitt, and Raisuke Taguchi. So my first, like, takeaway from this was, like, how has Rocky Romero looked the exact same in, like, <laughs> for over a decade? To be fair, so does Ferg. Like, he's in sensational shape here. 
and he is in still <laughs> sensational shape. But at least Virgil has like you know he's got the like the different haircut at this point. He's his like, face looks a little different these days too. Like it, yeah, he like he's like he's actually showing a bit of his age now, which is like you know reasonably he's like forty. I I was gonna say I don't even think it's like in an old way. He just looks maybe it's the beard. Maybe that's the only difference. Yeah, well the beard is much bigger now. Mm. But yeah, I just wanted to mention like Rocky looks the exact same. Yeah, identical. I'm really looking forward to the different eras of Rocky Romero tag teams that we're going to see throughout this. Because yeah. obviously we start with the No Remorse Corps, then we'll move into the Forever Hooligans, then we'll move in to Rep- uh, RPG Vice. Then Rapungi 3K, I guess he's technically a part of too, so four Rocky Romero tag team eras. It's like the, the Bernard and Tomko to Bernard and Anderson to Anderson and Gallows, and then there's an Anderson and Gatto team in there as well somewhere. I think we've, I think we're past that bit. I don't think we get, we get that bit. Well, this before we talk about this, this is the last show of Giant Bernard, so it's the last show of Bad Intentions. Uh, I, I've got some bad intentions takes. I'll tell you right now because I watched the, um, for context. I watched Wrestle Kingdom. Garrett didn't, so there'll be a little bit of a. I can hopefully provide a little background to some of the matches. I am sticking to the premise of our podcast, jumping straight in. With, with the new beginning. But honestly, Wrestle Kingdom was really enjoyable, so I had a really good time watching. <laughs> yeah, it is fun, though, to see the, the, those people who have just, like, a revolving door of tag team partners. But we got to admit, like, Romero and Anderson, like, two of the best guys to do tag team wrestling in Japan. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, there's a reason that they were, like, these ten post guys for all these other guys coming through. So I thought this match was a little slow to get going, but once it got going, this match kind of rocked. Because I was a little worried, because, like, this... Is post the peak era of New Japan Junior Tags, I think. I think that's fair yeah. to say. Where you get, like, the guns, you get Apollo 5-5, you get No Limit, and you get Golden Lovers. That era of, like, 2009 to 2011 produced so many cool tag matches. And now we're in that, like, kind of post-era where, like, Davey and Rocky are no slouches. They're Davey Richards and Rocky Romero. They're two very good wrestlers. But we're going into the era where you have, I think, a lot of teams that aren't quite as over as, you know, No Limit were, or as Apollo 5-5 were at their peak, or as, obviously, the Golden Lovers were at their peak. And we haven't gone quite to the athleticism era of your Rapungi Vices, Forever Hooligans, Young Bucks. Red Dragon. Red Dragon, yeah. So we, we, it's like in that weird kind of middle section right now. Or like even, fair play, like one of my favorite tag teams in the junior tag division, Matt Seidel and Ricochet. Mm. They like they were such a great tag team in New Japan. So we, we haven't got to, like, to the athleticism era and we're, and we're kind of out of the over tag teams era. So we're in this like weird little middle ground here. This is a big improvement over the last match. The Wrestle Kingdom match was okay, but the crowd didn't give a fuck about it. I think it is Wrestle Kingdom tradition for the the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Title match at Wrestle Kingdom to die a death. Even if it's good, it dies a death. It can get there, but it's just like, they have to work real hard for it and the crowd has to be receptive for it. Mm. Both of these matches, you watch it and just like, look at these four professionals doing their job here. Like, just four professional wrestlers wrestling real good. Like I said, like, like you said, sorry. There was this kind of build-up, and it was like, fine. But then once it started getting going, it was like, this was all action and what you wanted from it. I feel like it started to get... The crowd really woke up at the uh, Rocky Romero's repeated clothesline spot. Mm. Like, as soon as he started hitting that, the crowd were like, all right, well, we're gonna we're getting into this now. But yeah, um, I came into this just hoping for a hotter crowd, for a, even if they had the same match. And I think we got that. A much better pace here than the Wrestle Kingdom match, which, had, which was even slower at parts. I don't remember when Taguchi transitioned transitioned to being like a, a meme boy, but he's not here. He's just a regular Trunks wrestler man. He transitioned when Devitt betrayed him. <laughs> so he went mad once his best friend and tag team partner betrayed him. So fair enough. 
And then he had an ass-based feud with Kenny. <laughs> I really love the finish of this match. Oh, the, the way they built to the finish, because they did a, a bunch of moves. They did a cool, like, assisted Bloody Sunday where Taguchi had him, like, draped over his shoulders. And then Black Sunday. Yeah, Bloody Sunday, really cool. The, the Let's Go Devit chants are, like, one of the consistent things in Fergal Devit matches that you're just like... God, like, Prince Devitt's a star. This dude's a star, and he's waiting to break out. And it's a shame, like, the pathway from junior heavyweight to, like, the heavyweight division was not as quite as clear as it is these days in New Japan, where you do get Shingo, you do get Will Ospreay going that way. And it wasn't really there in 2012. But to be fair, like, um, the person he, like, sort of formed that pathway for them was Devitt. And he never had the chance to benefit from it. It's so sad. Well, that was a, a company decision. We'll get to that when uh, Devitt leaves. Shingo basically did the exact same thing as Devitt. Like, Devitt ran through the best of the Super Juniors and won every match, and then Shingo did the exact same thing. But then Shingo actually got to stick around and reap the benefits of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. But yeah, there was a bunch of cool near falls. There was a, a, a Doomsday Device knee from Rapongi 3K that the crowd just absolutely bit on. They thought it was the finish. And we saw the, the contract killer, what would become the... The Forever Hooligans finish with the Burning Hammer knee combination. Which Devitt just popped up out of absolutely nowhere to break up. Yeah. This is what you like from these kind of matches, these Super Junior tags. Mm. But yeah, you wanted to talk about the finish. Oh yeah, I just wanted to talk about that the maneuver, the Black Sunday. That shit was... Like, I popped out of my chair. I was like, I hadn't seen it in a long, long time. Or if ever, I don't even remember. I forgot what finish like, Apollo 55 used to use, but this one, I was like, wow. Yeah, so, and then no, no more score beat uh, Apollo 55. What was the actual finish? <laughs> I, literally, I literally just watched the show. And I, I didn't write it down. <laughs> um, it was the the combo move. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, Davey and Rocky win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. <laughs> yeah, we will see how Davey's run in New Japan goes. <laughs> it can only go well knowing Davey Richards. The man has never had trouble in his entire life, his entire career. He's a man who has spotless track record. Everyone loves working with him. It's great. I have to rewatch the, like, two sit-down shoot interview that Davey and uh, uh, Steen did. Because mm. Davey goes into details as to why he thought he should perhaps be pushed a little harder than he was being. Which, on the one hand, I get, because he was a main event guy in the US. I, I do get that, but also, like, I think he was the least <laughs> impressive person in this match, so I can understand from New Japan's perspective where they're like, okay. <laughs> but was he was he not over because he wasn't pushed, is, your, is the question. I'm sure. I don't know. I I just don't think he's he was particularly impressive in any of his New Japan run, but... Oh, Davey hit the creeping death and they won. That was the finish. He hit the, the spin kick thing he does. There mm. you go. It popped back into my head. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. Because like I, I do understand where he's coming from. Because he's a main event guy even at this stage in the US. Like he's a, a top guy in the US. It would be like if AJ came over in 2014 and they're like, you're a junior tag guy. That AJ would not want that either. I don't think Davey Richards is an AJ Styles level star. But like if you're thinking top guy in the company he was working for going to Japan... It's this. It's kind of an equivalent level, and he's not being pushed even remotely to that level. Not even like as a junior heavyweight contender, really. I don't know. Like they, cl- you see the Ring of Honor translations from a lot of people, and it's like this is kind of the level they come in at for the most part. But if I'm Dave Richards, do I think it's fair to be pushed? Yeah, higher but if you're than- Dave Richards, I'm not sure you you think you're ever being pushed at the at the level you wanted to be. That's true. He does seem a lot... And about, especially this era, Davey. I'm sure Davey of now seems like a completely different guy. But He's mellowed almost too much. I, I want some madness in Davey. He's give, give him too many hugs and handshakes and putting everybody over. 
I want a little. I want a little bit of bitter, Davy. You know, just a little bit of bitter. A little bit of that edge. Yeah, I don't want him like saying Jordan Oliver is the best wrestler he's ever wrestled. Yeah. So Apollo Five Five lost tag titles to No Remorse Core. I'm sure they'll get it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way these titles work. Uh, yeah, the hot last like five minutes of this match rocked. Yeah, I don't mind uh, having a, a title on your um in your company that's dedicated to like you know fast reigns that bounce back and forth. And have a lot of, like, fast-paced matches. I think that's fine. It's basically what the TNT title is in AEW, and it works very well. Yeah, that's a good. That's a role to be filled. Mm. Now to the worst match on the show. But still, like, a match I enjoyed. I it's just not a... It just it went on for fucking ever. So the suzuki Yuden team of Lance Archer, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, Takamichi, Noku, and Yoshihiro Takayama faced the New Japan Army of Kushida, Tiger Mask, Togi Makabe, Wataru Inoue, and Yuji Nagata in a 10-man tag team elimination match with your standard New Japan elimination match rules where you can do pinfall submission or throw the person over the top rope. Like, if this match was half as long as this match was, it would be fine. Mm. But this match went 23 minutes, Liam. Um, I think you're wrong. I think it went 45 minutes. Yeah, it had definitely had bits that I liked about it, but it was just so long. Yeah, because like the, the the main takeaway from the match is, is that it was a showcase for Lance Archer in particular, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, well, because they're trying to get him over as like another one of the big. <laughs> what a formidable like, because obviously the structure of it goes is like they take out most of the New Japan Army, and then I think uh, Makabe comes in and handles the juniors very quickly. And then it's down to just Nagata and Makabe versus the three giants of Suzuki Gun. And they manage to take out Nagata before it's three on one against Makabe. And these three dudes are just throwing bombs <laughs> at Makabe. It's fun when Archer and Takayama are in there together. They're just doing like co-big boots where they're standing on each other. There's a sequence where Takayama and Suzuki are laying kicks onto the back and front of Makabe. And then Lance Archer just strolls down the apron and just hits like a club and blow from behind just to add insult to injury. It is good stuff. It's really... I found it pretty interesting like how little Archer looks compared to now. Because I don't think he looks smaller, but he doesn't have that wild man appearance he has now. So he does look like more of a pretty boy big man as opposed to a crazy man. I don't think he has that thickness that he has now. Hmm. But he's, I think he is like more or less the same shape, though, isn't he? He's not like in better or worse shape. You know, it might be that he's also next to Takayama. That's true, who is just a mountain of a man. But yeah, I don't know. I had bits about this that I liked, but just too long. Yeah, so Archer pins Kushida with the blackout. He pinned Tiger Mask with the F5. Then he dumped Inoue out. Uh, before Inoue did a sick, like, deadlift German to Archer, that rule. Oh, yeah, I had the same exact... Um... <laughs> So he's like, no, the in a way hits a really impressive stolen German Zubox on Archer. And I thought that was three. Yeah, he's gotten robbed, does he? Yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe I just misheard it, but I really thought that was like one, two, three. And I was like, oh, Archer's out. <laughs> Bad New Japan officiate. And it would make sense that, like, the way these matches would be typically booked, especially if this was like a WWE Survivor Series match, the way they would absolutely book that match is guy eliminates three guys, gets eliminated. That's very much a match structure for this kind of match as you've seen a million times. Mm. And it would make sense. Like, you know... You- Get a quick German on someone and pin someone is pretty universally accepted in Japan. Mm. As you mentioned, it was down to five on two uh, before Makabe strolled in. He threw out Taka. I assume he threw out Taichi. The camera missed it. Yeah, it was just dispatched of the juniors immediately. Because he threw out Taka and Taka was having a little fit in the floor. And then they got back into the ring and Taichi wasn't there anymore. And I was like, did I miss Taichi being eliminated? <laughs> yeah. They got the heat on Makabe for ages. Naka, Nagata made a comeback. Uh, this is where I said this sucks because he made the comeback. He didn't eliminate anybody. He just got pinned. 
Yeah. If this match was short, if they went straight into like a finishing stretch after Maccabee came in, because they got the heat on Maccabee for what felt like five or six minutes before Nagata tagged in, pinned Nagata, then Suzuki pins Maccabee with the Gotch Pile Driver to win three to nil. Like, if they did this match in 12 instead of 23, I think it would be a good match, but they just dragged the goddamn thing out. Yeah, and um, makes sense. They 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 needed Suzuki to get a big, like, definitive win here, too, because he just lost to Tanahashi. Yeah, and not only did he get the win, but his, his team got a pretty substantial win. Yeah, but also, it ends with the image of him, you know, parading Makabe around, who was still a name at this mm. point, with the gotch pile driver and just laying him out. I did, Kushida wasn't in this match very long, but I, I love this era of Kushida. Red tights, uh, like, blonde mohawk or Kushida, that's my Kushida. That's a good Kushida right there. I also enjoyed Taka at one stage was charging into the corner, where he shouted Axe Bomber at the top of his lungs, but then did a knee <laughs> instead. Yeah, that's uh, a good bit. I love that, um, universally, the calling a move out loud really loudly is, like, just everyone does it. It's like mm. the Jacksons do it with the Brain Buster, Taka and Taiji doing it with the Axe Bomber. Just good fun. That brings us world tag team titles. The IWGP tag team titles, Bad Intentions, face the team of Tenkozy, that's Giant Barnard and Carl Anderson facing Satoshi Kojima and Hiroyoshi Tenzan. Tenkozy are champions, they retain. Um, Yeah, this is a rematch from Wrestle Kingdom where they beat Bad Intentions for the titles. So I was looking at Carl Anderson in this match. Mm Mm-hmm. And I could have insisted he's FT or bald. (laughs) Wow, I, I didn't put that together, but... Sure, a little bit. I can see that a tiny bit. Because, like, he, he's not, like, leaned out Carl yet. He's still kind of stocky Carl. I like thick Carl. Mm. And he has, like, a schmeg, and he's bald. So I'm like, he's FDR bald. A little bit. A little bit. I would like Bad Intentions, but I think I only like them because I like Carl Anderson a lot. I don't know, I was actually kind of bummed when, because when I, I saw Bad Intentions come out, and I knew this was around the time Bernard went back to WWE, but I was like, when does he go back? Because I'd like to watch some of him again. And then it's like, oh no, this is the only match we're getting, because he goes back literally this uh, month. Excuse you, only match you're getting. I got to see two Bad Intentions Tenkoji matches. Well done, congratulations. Uh, yeah, and they were both good, so it was fine. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, oh, when does he leave? It's like, oh, literally, this is his last match. He goes back right after this. And I was like, oh, Because, like... Yeah. He's a great wrestler, and he was a legitimate main event heel in New Japan. A guy who could be a credible IWGP heavyweight title contender. The guy that Tanahashi beat for the vacant title. Yeah, and had very good matches with Tanahashi. Go see those matches out. They're very good. And then he went back to WWE, and he was Tensai, and that all that stuff sucked. And, like, I remember being excited for his return to WWE, too. I was like, oh, yeah, because at that point I had seen some uh, Bernard stuff. Bernard was one of the first guys I saw in New Japan, just from clips. You always need that in, don't you? You always need the, like, oh, it's it's A-Train, it's it's Albert. I remember that guy. Well, my in, if I'm being serious, was Alex Shelley and Trent Beretta. Mm. They were the ones where I was like, Trent Beretta was the person who, like, got me to actively search out, like, PWG and stuff. Because I was like, I really liked him on Superstars and I wanted to see what he was going to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but Nad was, like, one of those dudes that you... Because he was in a lot of, like, the limited YouTube videos that uh, New Japan had uploaded at this era. So it's like... A lot of them was like Bernard versus Tanahashi or Bernard in the tag league or whatever. So it's what I saw a lot of. I really like Bad Intentions. I liked their look. They have a cool look. They have um they have cool matches and they do. Uh, you get the Carl Anderson like flurry chained offense, which I really enjoy still. But you get the Bernard like big power stuff. And even they combined it because they did a thing where they did two like splashes and then they did two back splashes as well back to back. And it's like there's cool stuff between those two. They have some cool chain stuff together. I think that late era. 
Tenkoji meandering around a useless tag division has definitely soured me on them as a team. Mm. Even though they're still running at like 100% here, I just, I can't think of anything but like 2015, 16 Tenkoji like having really annoying matches on shows and me being like, God, can these end? Yeah, and like the, the heat segment on this in this match is too long, I think. They get the heat on Kojima for quite a while. Bernard goes for a sit-out powerbomb on Kojima and nearly dropped him. Yeah. She's like, oh. But they're in the end. Yeah, they were fine. He just reset. But yeah, like, I just think my reviews of, like, mid to later mid-2010 Tengoji has really soured me on them. Even though I thought they were, they've been pretty great here. Yeah, and this was very much, this guy is leaving the territory because Kojima kicked out of the Magic Killer, Kojima kicked out of the Baldo Bomb, and then one with a Lariat. So it was very much, we know this guy's losing, so we're going to let Kojima kick out of all of his moves. And then, of course, after the match, Tenzan gets on the... On the mic and puts them both over. Real nice guy, that guy. Just calls them a good team. They're a good team, right, guys? Well, they just won the Tokyo Sports Tag Team of the Year, I think. Or the Wrestling Observer Tag Team of the Year. Bad Intentions or Tentacology? Bad Intentions. Hmm. My favorite part of this match was when Anderson got the the crowd to chant Bernard, and they were very excited about it. Yeah, nice little goodbye boys. I assume they probably knew he was leaving at this stage, right? I assume the company did. I don't know if the fans did, but... They, I think at this point he had enough, built up enough cachet where he was just liked regardless. Yeah, but like the, the way they structured this match where Kojima did kick out of all of the team's big moves and the way that they, like Tenzan did put him over after the match as well does feel like a, a nice little, listen, you're off to the Fed, good luck with you. You've been very good for this company for the last six years or so. Uh, thank you, goodbye. We hope you don't get jobbed out and given a horrible stereotypical bad character and everyone can think thinks, oh god, Bernard is going to come in and feud with Cena and they're going to have a really cool thing going on. Then he's Tenzan and it's like, oh god, it's over already. What if... This giant Bernard just came in and feuded with Cena instead. It would have ruled, because that's what everyone was like. Everyone was like, oh, this guy coming in feuding with Cena, it's actually going to be a pretty cool big deal. And then when it was Tensai, it was like, ah, no, you fucked it already. No. Just have bad intentions Bernard show up. Just big, mean, angry man who beats people up. What more do you need in professional wrestling? Speaking of big, mean, angry men beating each other up in professional wrestling... I found it very interesting. The last two matches on the show before the main event, the, the, the semi-main and the match before that, it's funny to watch an era of New Japan that doesn't have the Never uh, never title. Oh, it does. It's this match right here. <laughs> yeah, but if the Never title ma- existed, this match would be a Never title match. Naito and Nakamura would be an IC title match. But because it doesn't exist, this is the IC title match, and then Naito and Nakamura is just a regular singles match. 100%. I also think it's pretty, like, obvious here that they didn't know how well Okada was going to draw on top, so they stacked the top three. Yeah, so you have a big uh, title match between Tanaka and Gato for the IC title. You do have Naito and Nakamura, which is a huge singles match to put on New Beginning in a semi-main. That is, I assume, because they didn't know how well New Guy coming back from Excursion versus Tanahashi was going to do. So they're like, we'll stack up the semi-main. Yeah, and then you have Okada Tanahashi on top. But yeah, uh, IWTV Intercontinental title, her Haruki Goto beats Masato Tanaka in a match I liked a great deal. This match kind of ruled. This was my match of the night. Because I love the structure of this match, where it looks like every time Goto's going to go punch for punch or a forearm for forearm with Tanaka, and Tanaka shuts him down. And then it yeah. looks like he fires back, he hits a big backdrop driver, but then he's shut down again. And like, every time he builds up a little bit of momentum, he's just shut down. It's not the usual New Japan Heat segment where someone just sits on somebody for five minutes. There is the hope spots. There is the moments where Goto looks yeah. like he's going to fire back, but then he gets cut off. It's Goto trying to find his way in whenever he can. It's mm-hmm. um, He's getting overwhelmed with all these power and shots, and then Goto is like, 
I see an opportunity to get in here and then I have to take it. It's really an interesting dynamic. Goto at this point is the best. I love Goto in, at this era. He's so fucking good. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah. 2010 to like 2015, 2016, uh, Godot, like that's a guy who should have been top of the company at some point because he was so fucking good. And like matches like this really prove it. And he, he did very clearly start breaking down after that. But yeah, before that, he was just, he's a guy who you put in a singles match on any given show and he'd deliver no matter what, no matter who against, it would be one of the best matches of the night. He's a guy you could put in a G1 final against Kenny Omega and it would be like, why are you doing that? Why are you putting Goto in that match? And then the match would be amazing. And you'd be like, oh, that's why. And he's over as shit still. So it's like, this guy should have been strapped up. I'm still, I was still, I will die on that hill for the rest of my life. Well, he was strapped up here, Liam, winning the Intercontinental title. Yes, but unfortunately not the IC title that it would become. Yeah, not, not the Shinsuke belt. But she does win as well. I just have written down here, when Hiroki Goto was on, he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. Mm. He's so unique. He has a certain flair to power stuff that like no one else has. Yeah, he rules. He just rules. We get a second rope Ushiguroshi in this that was, like, mind-blowing. That must be absolutely horrible for your knees. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he, he has to land on, like, he has the superhero landing. Because, <laughs> like, Masato Tanaka's not a huge guy, but he's still a pretty big guy to be coming down from that height on your knee. Oh, can we talk about Tanaka in this match? Yeah, he was mean. Has all of his trademark speed that he, like, he's always had. His strikes are so smooth. And, and so snug. They're perfect. It's it's perfect. I, I love Masato Tanaka. Yeah, just absolute banger, never title match here. Beat the shit out of each other. Four and a quarter. Really love it. Um, I also... This is the level of interference I don't mind in a New Japan match. Mm-hmm. Just a little... Yuge tries to get involved. Yeah, you think he cost him one time, and then Goto fucks him up on the second time. And then they're gone. That's all you need. Never come That's back. That's all you need. Yeah. And then, of course, after the match... Huge, huge, gets in the ring, makes a challenge. I mean, I'm for it. I'm, I'm a documented fan of Yujiro Takahashi, so I am completely fine with seeing this match. I am pleased to tell you that I'm pretty sure we're not going to cover it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I will be watching it regardless. <laughs> You're going to insist on watching this Yujiro Gato IC title match. Yeah, because um, I like Yujiro in these spots, like mid-card like, title shots. Like, him and Ishii had that really great match together for the Never title. But that, that was like a cosmic fluke. That tricked people into thinking Yujiro was good and he's not. And then he had the really good Ibushi match last year. <laughs> yeah, you put him in with some of, like, the generation's best wrestlers and they can carry him. Okay, well then sometimes that's just people's roles. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, not everyone's gonna be Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> well, maybe the Yujiro match would have been better than the Shinsuke match on this, though. So, <laughs> you know what? Pro Yujiro all of a sudden. I like Shinsuke and Naito. Yeah, so the next match, uh, Tetsuya Naito versus Shinsuke Nakamura. I I don't know. I don't think they ever got the crowd. And by the time the match ended, I was like, okay, it was pretty good. I thought this was like a G1 match. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just a, a condensed version of a New Japan epic. Like a G1 main event. Yeah. I liked it. I thought this was pretty good. There's some sorry beats from Naito here that I really enjoyed. Like, I feel like Naito's temper came out here. Like, which has always been, like, the thing of 
he gets too emotionally involved in a costume in the big spots, and that's why he had to go and leave and become Tranquilo. <laughs> it's like, I like that we're, we're setting up, like, this guy is... He's, he, he tries to be this cool, calm, collected ace type, but really he's, like, this, <laughs> like, angry individual that's, like, condensing all this rage and it pops out in his matches at inopportune times. Because, like, he gets mad, and then Nakamura's like, all right, I'm going to shoot Kiku in the head now. Yeah, it's very, very mean of Nakamura to do that. I would not like to be shoot kicked in the head. Yeah, because, like, as soon as he does it, it costs him his advantage, and Nakamura takes, like, takes advantage from it. And it's just like, ah, oh, I thought that was really good. I love that this match here is, like, a giant red herring, because you if take yourself back to this show, and you're like, all right, Tanahashi's going to dispatch of Okada, and then whoever wins this match is going to be Tanahashi's next challenge. And I'd imagine most people were probably thinking it's going to be Nakamura, too. Yeah, so it's just, I, I like this this booking here because it also helps set up the especially once Naito wins because you're like oh they're not going to do Naito or Okada yeah and imagine if you're looking at it where the next show is the 40th anniversary show you're probably looking at it thinking oh yeah well obviously Nakamura Tanahashi on the 40th anniversary show right yeah so I I really thought that was a nice touch I went four stars in this I really liked it I went three and a quarter I it just didn't get me I liked uh, Naito doing that big huge giant dropkick on the ramp he got some serious airtime on that dropkick yeah he just flung himself. It's, it's, it's nice to see a Naito with knees running around. Uh, this is my Naito. I never liked LIJ Naito. I'm never into the I'm not interested in the thing I'm doing thing. And I know the gimmick is that he secretly is interested and that's the whole thing. But like, I want to see emotion and passion from Naito and that's always the Naito I preferred. Stardust Naito I love is my Stardust Naito. genius. Yeah, this Naito. Is, I, I don't like the LIJ stuff. It's ugh, it's just it's too try hard to be cool. Oh, Garrett, I'm going to be so angry when we get to two of the biggest missed opportunities in New Japan history with Golden Stardust mm-hmm. and Mayu Tag. <laughs> well, you see, they can just bring Cody Rhodes to New Japan now, Timo with Kota Ibushi, and that can be Golden Stardust. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> so I guess we should talk about Shinsuke? this little-known main event. Oh, I guess Shin- oh, Shinsuke. Shinsuke's there. Shinsuke is just... Because this is, I think, relatively early in the charismatic megastar Shinsuke run, right? Yeah, um, it's been around, but, like, I feel like there's a misconception that people think he went to Mexico one day and came back and he was a different guy. Because mm. it was never like that. It was a real gradual evolution into what he became. Yeah, he's just the biggest star in the world, though, isn't he? Oh, he's the coolest... Peak Shinsuke is the coolest professional wrestler of all time. Like, everything he does in this match... like, And this isn't even peak Shinsuke, but everything oh, he but does... Oh, we're still a couple years off. <laughs> Every single thing he does in this match, it's just like, that man's a star. Every single, yeah. the way he sells everything, the way he does every move, every facial expression, every taunt, every in-between moment. It's like, this guy is just, he's a superstar. He's just mm. a super, and I miss this man. I miss this Shinsuke Nakamura because he's so checked out now. Because the Shinsuke you see now does a lot of the same things, but it's it's almost a parody of himself. He's just like, I'm going to do yeah. some gyrating, and that's my charisma Which also, I... I it's disappointing, but I also understand it. <laughs> like, the dude's put his body through hell. It's rubbish. Like, I really don't blame him for not trying, but I'm sad that one of the generation's most charismatic and interesting wrestlers has spent the best part of the five years doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. Honestly, two of my biggest takeaways from Wrestle Kingdom in this show is I hope both Devitt and Nakamura come back home. <laughs> mm. Like, even, like, they don't have to come back and be major parts. I'm sure Nakamura would come back and get, like, a top run again, but... Like, I just want them to bookend their career here. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Nakamura will. I, I'm less sure that Devitt will. <laughs> Where they can also do cool AEW matches. Yeah. So, I, I really hope that Nakamura 
ends up coming home soon. And then the main event for the IWGP. Yeah, yeah no, no, we'll talk about it. I just want to <laughs> do a brief little rundown because I think it's necessary of the Okada Yoshihashi match. Oh, sure. It's very important. That match stinks. I don't think it stinks. That match is fine. It's just booked really weirdly. Mm. Okada, it's really, it's interesting seeing him come out for that entrance because he has no confidence. He has no swagger. Like, he is a dude who is uncomfortable in his own skin at this point. But I think as a match itself, the infamy of the match is way worse than the actual reality of it. Because it's a nice story to be like, oh, that he came in there and completely bombed, and then he, then he came out and challenged, and there were people were laughing at him, and then he came back at New Beginning and he was this different human being, which is mostly true. But the actual match itself was pretty well worked. I didn't think it was a necessary choice to have Yoshihashi get eighty percent of the offense in that match. I thought that was an interesting choice, and like people say that match died a death, and to be fair, it did for the most part. But they did start getting people at the end, and then they just went to the finish. It was just poorly paced. Okada had two like of his signature spots, but they weren't quite his signature spots, as we all know. The Rainmaker sit down that looked really bad, but he also did his little like over the knee neckbreaker thing. But instead, he sat down with it, and it was really weird looking. How do you sit down with it? It's like the Seamus move. Oh, he just did a regular Celtic cross rather than over the knee. Yeah, he did like a Celtic cross, but like with his head slightly hitting the knee as he went down. Weird. It was really weird. So yeah, whatever match. It's not as bad as people think, but it's really weirdly booked. And then, of course, after the the, the Tokyo Dome main event, Okada comes out and is, makes a challenge. And as he's leaving, there's laughter in the crowd. Mm. But um, how do you feel? About, okay, I'm going to give you a couple of theories here. Go on. So the first theory that goes around is that they purposely dogged this Wrestle Kingdom return. Absolutely not. The Rainmaker shock more impactful. Nope. Okay. Expand. No, they wouldn't deliberately tank the top, their top star because no one expected Okada to win anyway. You know, if he that was a six-minute match against Yoshihashi. If he looked good, still no one would have expected him to win. You don't deliberately mm. tank the guy you're about to win the IWGP title with. That's just not a thing you do. So do you think... In the like that month span, like Gator just gave him the best pep talk of all time. I don't know because to go, to talk about this match between Okada and Tanahashi for the IGBP Heavyweight Title, he comes out as a completely different human. But he, there's still a little of the deer in the headlights. Man, I watched the other match. <laughs> this is a different human being walking out for his entrance here. Sure, he's like a little like I'm in the big spot, but. Like, he seemed uncomfortable with everything he was doing at Wrestle Kingdom. And he feels like, he's obviously not the Okada that we see now, but he's, for the most part, like, he has that confidence and that swagger, and, he's, and he has that, like, he doesn't feel like he's being led as much. Even by Tanahashi. Maybe maybe if I watched the, the Wrestle Kingdom match, I'd have a different take, but I think the comparison is, the Wrestle Kingdom match is, he's the deer who has already been hit by the car in the headlights, as opposed to here, where he's still kind of the naive baby deer in the headlights, because, like, he doesn't have the moments between for me here. He, like, he does his move, and then mm, he just He doesn't on. have that, like, that little swagger that he'll do between stuff that he does now, or even, not so much now, but during his, like, major title run. Yeah, when you compare him, like, back-to-back with Shinsuke, where Shinsuke does have all those little in-between moments where he's knowing everything he's doing. unfair. It is unfair, but this is the dude that's winning the IWGP Heavyweight title, not Shinsuke Nakamura. So you can't not compare him to the other top stars in the company. So when, when, when you watch Shinsuke, who is a complete performer, and then you watch Okada, who's like, he is 
technically proficient. And he again, he's not the deer that just got hit by the car. He's just the deer that's looking at the headlights now. He, he got resurrected apparently in the last month. Um, he does. He still looks a little bit like that naive little boy who has been propped into this role, and he doesn't feel entirely ready for it. I don't know. It might just be because I saw the other match, but to me, Okada came out here looking like a fucking star in comparison. I was like, this dude, I don't know what they did. I don't know if Gato sat him down, was like slapping him in the face and telling him, you have to get your shit together. (laughs) Because it was a different human being that walked out of those curtains. I will say, there is a match graphic for this match on New Japan World. Mm -hmm. And Okada in that match graphic looks like a completely different human being to the Okada that walks out. I think it's just a haircut. I think he just got a better haircut. What? <laughs> it's the... Because at Wrestle Kingdom, he had um, dyed eyebrows. <laughs> mm. Which were, like, bleached. So that didn't help a lot. Because, yeah, I, lo- I looked at that match graphic and I'm like, God, this man looks hideous. That's what he looks like at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was... This is the second best Okada look of all time. Is this New Beginning look? Yeah. This mm. is my, like, for a long time, this was my favorite Okada look. The purple in the hair, the swagger, just, like, heel Okada, like, fundamentally. Like, uh, this was my favorite Okada for a long, long time um, until this year's Okada, where I feel like he's really stepped up into being, like, like the all-time best wrestler. <laughs> like, Is the entire difference between Wrestle Kingdom Okada and New Beginning Okada, he got a better haircut? Is that it? Well, you know, there is a, there's a certain, like, when you get a haircut... Mm-hmm. There's a level of like feeling yourself. Yeah. Like you never feel you never feel better about yourself than after a haircut. Well, a good haircut anyway. Yeah, a good haircut. Like you never feel like more like you walk out and you're like I'm hot as shit. And there's a confidence to yourself after a good haircut. And I think that's definitely a part of it. He got a fresh cut and he's like I'm looking. I could be. You know I am IWGP World Champion, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. So this match, I, I think it did suffer from the New Japan main event. Board. It did suffer from Okada not being particularly interesting when ro- working on top. He didn't entirely have that sense of you didn't presence. Like his Yave stuff. No, I've never liked his Yave stuff, and I'm glad he's given up on it. I know. I, I like some of his dumb little uh, submissions that he puts Tanahashi in. I think it helps stand out from other Tanahashi matches too. Like you mm. get some, you get some Ultimo influence in this. I don't know. I don't think he's over enough to pull it off at this stage. <laughs> well, speaking of that, I think it's really interesting seeing Okada's signature spots that would eventually, like, blow the roof of Tokyo Domes get no reaction. Yeah, he does the Rainmaker point. pose, and people are like, oh. It's actually called the Rainmaker pose, too. Like, the announcers are like, oh, Rainmaker pose. But, like, no, the crowd don't get it yet. Well, my favorite one is when he hits the dropkick to zero reaction. And it's like, you motherfuckers don't even know yet. And it's not like he hit a bad dropkick, either. He's still hitting the, the Okada dropkick. It still looks amazing. It's just, it's so funny to, like, think about, like, they don't know. They do not know. Mm. I didn't think um, Tanahashi was doing the high fly flow to the floor this early. Oh, he was. He was busting it out whenever. It's just like, I uh, made a event title match, time to do the high fly flow to the floor. Like, in my head, that was like a 2014 Tanahashi thing. I didn't do, remember him doing it in all these matches, but obviously he did. He did it in this match. He hits a real, he does it like at this time a lot, actually. I thought there was some interesting, like, and smart ways that this worked as match, uh, sorry, this match was worked. Okada was hitting these, like, real wild overhead shots, and Tanahashi would just counter with these precision shots, just showing that, like, difference in experience level. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and then we get, like, the big pop of Tanahashi and the big momentum swing here. Tanahashi gets that first dragon screw. Yeah. And you're like... It's always that... It's funny, it's like, that's almost Tanahashi's dropkick. 
It's like he hits that first dragon screw and you know the, the everything's getting picked up. Mm. And that's that becomes the story of the match then where he's working over Okada's leg. Mm. Not the first time we'll get an Okada Tanahashi leg match. No, and not um, many, many will happen. Okada drags Tanahashi down into his submission before taking him on the floor and laying him out with a tombstone, which was like the first Okada move that got a reaction. Yeah, like the entire match swung on that tombstone because I think everything before it was just like, you know, dudes doing holds, the crowd weren't that invested. And I think everything after the tombstone on the floor, the crowd were like super into and super invested. And like, I was surprised that the crowd did believe Okada could win. Because, like, Okada hits a DDT, and Tanahashi kicks out, and the crowd are like, oh. And then Okada hits the, like, FU kind of neckbreaker thing he does. Heavy rain. Heavy rain there, the goes. And and I maybe I think it benefits a little from, obviously, they know the Rainmakers is finished, but they don't know does he have secondary finishes yet, because he's just come back from excursion. Mm. So I'm sure I'm sure there's an element of the crowd actually not knowing what his finish is. So when he hits the, the heavy rain, and uh, Tanahashi kicks out again, the crowd again are like, oh, because they, they bit on the near fall. And I was honestly surprised to think that they were biting on the near falls for freaking Okada here back from excursion. I I think that's a testament to Tanahashi's work too. Mm. Like he made people believe this. Um, it probably helps that he, this is something I never even fucking noticed. Tanahashi just loses a tooth here. <laughs> I didn't see that, did he? Yeah, my man just like had a giant gap in the front of his teeth. <laughs> Okada's clearly stunk that dropkick in too well. The crowd should have popped. Yeah, this I I really got like going with this. I thought it was um. It's really nice, because we know we see Okada now, to see, like, moves and stuff that he's kind of abandoned in favor for his newer stuff. Mm. Like, especially as a heel, like, he hits the tombstone now, but you'll find that he he does that Michinoku driver variant way more. Yeah. And, like, he doesn't really do the DDT on the outside unless it's a really big match. And he doesn't really do the elbow drop very much anymore at all. Oh, I forgot Gato hit an awful elbow drop earlier in the show. He looked terrified. To I liked his falling elbow. I thought it was cool. No, like, the actual elbow was cool, but he took, like, 15 minutes to actually leap. It's like, the dude was clearly terrified to do this elbow drop. The real, like, cincher for, like, how much more confident Okada came across to me was uh, even the Rainmaker, like, fakeouts and counters were done with so much more intensity and confidence than anything was done in that first match. Yeah. Like, and that wasn't even the, the real Rainmaker. Like, just him, like, swinging over like, wildly with the Rainmaker. And I was like, that's... Just seeing that in comparison to the actual Rainmaker, the first ever Rainmaker, you're like, I, a different human being is doing this. I'm sorry. Like, it's just... Even his misses are done, like, a thousand times better than his actual hit ones in the last match. Like, on the one hand, he is wrestling Tanahashi, who's much better than Yoshihashi. But on the other, do you think he probably got into the dojo for the entire month and it's like, I'm going to work out all my signature moves? I, I think it has to, because I even made note that, like, the Neckbreak and the Rainmaker, both of them, even the setups were so much better and smoother. Mm. Like, he hit everything so much smoother in this. And this did have the classic Okada finishing stretch, which I think is what he will be known for, particularly in this first title reign, where he's defined by those last, like, 90 seconds of in and out of Rainmakers, people ducking out of Rainmakers, teasing, doing sling blades. I love that shit. It's great. I love it. Especially when you put him in there with Carl Anderson. I'm looking forward to rewatching those matches, because Carl is mm. the same thing. Carl is that finishing stretch of in and out of gun stuns, and just gun stuns into Rainmakers. Oh, I can't wait to revisit those matches. And, like, that's something that you don't really see from modern Okada either. It's actually a good little comparison point that we're watching, um... Okada win his first title here as he is uh, the champion again. Mm. But yeah, um, in the end, uh, of course, Okada does hit the Rainmaker and pins Tanahashi to an, a giant pop. I love, like, the pop. It's not a regular pop. 
Because like it is the, the, it's a title change pop, but there's a shock to the pop. There's like a sharp intake of to the pop. It's so cool, and it's delayed because people are like, oh my god, he just <laughs> you can like there's like that extension to it too. Because even though like as mentioned, the crowd did bite on Heavy Rain, they did bite on the DDT, but I don't think they honestly thought he was going to win, and then he did. Yeah, they were biting on the on the match they were watching. They weren't thinking about the actual repercussions of if he won off this move. Mm. And yeah, the new IWGP heavyweight champion is Kazuchika Okada. What a terrible decision. And this this, this company's going to go downhill. How did they put it on a guy coming just back from excursion? There's a quote on the Wikipedia I have in front of me from Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Which I, I assume he will very much admit he was wrong about. But Dave wrote, there is very little that works well in modern wrestling. And when you've got a guy on top who is carrying the ball, it's not the time to replace him. Meltzer wrote that in Japan, the general reaction to the title change was negative. Though Meltzer went on to call the match between Tanahashi and Okada excellent. He credited it entirely to Tanahashi, writing that Okada (laughs) looked green and way out of his league. Uh, Because there was, like... There was a bit of pushback against Okada for a good while into his raid about whether or not this guy is actually ready to be IWGP Heavyweight Champion. And it did take a decent amount of time for him to actually win people over, even though this match is really good. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I thought this was really good. And I thought, like, I don't think Tanahashi looks like he carried it. No, I would say that like, I, I a little cooler on what Okada looked like in this match to you, or is it, you think he did have that swagger and that personality, and I don't think he did. I th- still think he looked a little like a a guy that's uh, he is in out of his depth. Like he is nobody, everybody, anybody who is put in this position like this would be in out of their depth. Like th- that's just mm. natural. That's just human. This guy is not ready for this. Nobody would be ready for this unless you're a 15 year pro. So for him to be put in that position, he is out of his depth. And I think it does show a little bit, but to say that it was entirely due to Tanahashi and that Okada looked way out of his league, I think is completely unfair watching this pro wrestling match. I went to the Wrestle Kingdom 6 Wikipedia to see if Dave's anything about the show. And um, it just says here that uh, Meltzer highlighted Kazuchika Okada as part of the show that did not work, writing that he did not look impressive and was completely unconvincing in his new role as Coggy Playboy. Ah. Dave taking L's. <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes when you write takes about wrestling, of course, we would never know this, Liam. We're never wrong. No, we, I've, no this is, that's an insane concept to me. As, as a podcast who has never in our lives said anything that's wrong, we, we would not understand the concept of having to backtrack. We would not understand the concept of having to take hells. So we can't relate to Dave Meltzer. But I guess when you write about wrestling for 50 years, you will occasionally come across hells. First, for some, it does happen. Mm-hmm. That's the reason we, you wonderful Patreon, subscribe to us here at TNHad.com to get the correct takes about all things. Uh, so yeah, after the match, we have Nitro coming out to make the challenge. And most importantly, I think here, closing the show. I was going to say, I found it very interesting that Naito's the guy who sends the fans home happy. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, he's the guy who can actually has the confidence to talk at this point. But like, Okada has ghetto. He's right there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think maybe they were, they were quite synced up with what they wanted that act to be. There is a post-match problem where they got backstage, but obviously it's in Japanese, so I, I have no idea what Gato and, and Okada were actually saying. Um, it, I believe he said Rainmaker on another level. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what he said for the next six years. <laughs> Are you suggesting that Gato did not have a ton of variety in his post-match promos? Rainmaker! <laughs> so that is New Beginning 2012. 
no understatement to say one of the most important shows in modern wrestling. Not even just for, like, the obvious thing. Like, this was the show where we set up Okada and Naito, generational rivals. Okada and Tanahashi, generational rivals. Yeah. Two of the biggest feuds of the next decade. Davy Richards, superstar coming out of this. Yes, of course. Goto winning the big one. Yeah, Goto's big singles title win that everyone's been waiting for. Ugh. All the big stories are new beginning 2012. But yeah, it's it's no understatement. This is one of the most important shows in modern wrestling history. That is one of the most important main events in modern wrestling history. It's one of the biggest upsets in wrestling history. Like, nobody expected Okada to win. And when he did, everybody was shocked. Literally everybody was like, wait, they put the guy on Okado from TNA? That's that's the world champion of New Japan now? The Okado guy? Because, once again, revisionist history is like, oh, TNA didn't know what they had with Okada. And they did disrespect Okada with a horrible bad gimmick. But nobody knew what they anybody had with Okada. Nobody looked at Okada and was like, this guy, next generational star other than Ghetto, I guess, who's like, yes, he will be my guy. Yeah, I'm... I w- to be a fly on the wall for those... For, like, the time they told Okada you're going to win the title from Tanahashi a month after coming back. He would have shit his pants, right? Oh, they probably told him just before he went out to wrestle Yoshihashi, and that's why he lost all of his confidence. It's like, oh, no, I'm not ready. Send me back to TNA. Joe! Joe! Uh, yeah, good show. A lot of good matches on the show. Like, I, I enjoyed yeah. Goto and uh, Masato Taka a lot. I enjoyed the Apollo 5-5 against No Remorse core match a lot. And obviously, Tanahashi and Okada, great match. I liked everything except for the 5v5, which I thought was just fine. And I thought it was thoroughly boring in every way. Where are we, what are we coming back for next time, Garrett? This is me asking because I don't know. Very good question. We'll be coming back for the anniversary show? I think it is the anniversary show. So our next show will be the New Japan 40th anniversary show, which we, by all accounts, should have already done, but we'll catch up on it. And then starting from April, we'll do on anniversaries. You say as it's a show with only tags except for the main event. Listen, I'm sorry that they put the only tags on this anniversary show, but maybe none of it's on New Japan World. Who knows? That semi-made looks pretty good, though, to be fair. I remember, by the way, absolutely adoring that Okada Naito match, and I have not rewatched it since, so I'm excited to rewatch it. But yes, the next episode of this will be probably in the next couple weeks, where we will do the. You want to hear something really funny? It's like after that giant burial for Dave Meltzer about Okada being green and that being old Tanahashi, the very next Okada match, four and three quarter stars. (laughs) He takes his L's immediately, fair play to him. Uh, So yeah, we'll be going on to the anniversary show, and then after that. I think it's Bruce Super Junior? It's probably... New Japan Cup. Yeah, New Japan Cup Finals, and then whatever Wrestling Dontaku is in 2012. Is it still Wrestling Dontaku in 2012? Um, After, it's um, New Japan Cup, and then it's New Japan Brave. Ah, Brave. It's Wrestling Dontaku. So that, that'll be the upcoming shows. As mentioned, we'll start covering on the anniversaries going into April once we cover it past the 40th anniversary show. Damn, I might try and find this random two-day junior tag tournament that they did. Liam's gonna come onto the show and be like, hey, there's these seven other shows that Wrestle I One star Yusuke Kodama is on this. <laughs> and I'll be like, I'm not watching. Liam was like, should we watch the Korokin? And I'm like, no. Well, unless they're like an actual big Korokin. Yeah, which the 40th anniversary show is. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks probably with that 40th anniversary show. You can follow us on Twitter at TN History Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Garrickin. And you can follow Liam on Twitter at The Gleet Muta. Thanks for listening and bye bye. Rain! Take us. Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagne, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.